Hey everyone, welcome to Wisdom's Echo Origin Gates Daily Podcast. I'm Mario Selenas with Storytime. I recently started a very intense uh, workout regimen and at the same time the World Cup was taking place and there were all kinds of festivities in Doha, in Qatar, because that's where the World Cup was hosted. And simultaneously, like I said earlier, I started an intense uh, workout regimen with, uh, with a program called CrossFit. And while I was starting to train and improve my muscle tone and strength and all those things, memories started flooding back from my days in the military and something came to mind that I found out I am actually able to talk about. It's a military operation that I think will surprise you in terms of its nature, but has been declassified to where I can talk about it. So when I was serving in the Special Forces in Cyprus, uh, this was a long time ago, of course, uh, there, was, um, there was a situation that took place with our nation where the Republic of Cyprus was called upon to host the Special Olympics for that year. The Special Olympics were supposed to be hosted somewhere else. I don't remember the details of that particular situation, but Cyprus was called upon to be the backup and to host the Olympics because this other uh, neighboring nation couldn't host the Special Olympics because of what was going on there. And what was happening was there was a need for for an opening ceremony uh, number, so to speak, that would require very fast turnaround in terms of those who would produce the the uh, opening ceremony and the festivities and so on and a lot of course involved music and lights and dance and other things pertaining to the Cypriot culture but there was one particular element that required individuals many individuals with flags to march into the field in various formations and to form different shapes and and do different things with flags perhaps you've seen it in a, in, a, in a huge uh, level at the Olympics or the World Cup that we recently watched in Qatar and and things of that nature. But in our case, it was it was smaller scale. It was the Special Olympics, not the Olympics that happens every four years, and it's not as grand, if if I could put it that way, as it would be for the Olympics. And yet, there was this requirement that Cyprus puts on a show for the opening ceremonies and because we only had maybe two months from the time Cyprus was assigned with this task and the actual opening of the Olympics they needed they needed individuals that were very disciplined looked good uh, were physically fit and able to do all these numbers and the Cyprus government appealed surprisingly to the special forces and so Green Berets and Navy SEALs constitute the Special Forces of Cyprus. And so we had worked together in maneuvers up in the mountains and in the water. And we had trained together. I had trained with SEALs in, in boot camp and also sniper school. And here we are being given white uh, exercise track uniforms, you know, pants and, and sweatshirts that were matching, that were white, and we had flags 
that were given to us on PVC pipes uh, that we had to uh, hold. We were assigned to these flags. We had to write our names on them and we they were assigned to us like our weapons were. And we had to go every single day for more than a month, I remember. Every single day we had to go to this field and, and practice these maneuvers that we were going to be doing with flags. And I have to say that initially... Uh, and throughout most of this entire thing until the very day we actually did it, we were all absolutely flabbergasted, frustrated, uh, angry. Uh, we, we had signed up to be uh, special operators in the military. We were dealing with weapons. I was, in, I was actually in sniper school at the time they yanked me out to go do this. And because of the fact that on the day of the actual... Um, presentation or opening ceremonies, we would all be there in the field. There had to be absolute secrecy about the fact that it was the special forces that were wearing white sweat uniforms out on the field and their bases were pretty much uh, with a skeleton crew of guards, uh, pretty much abandoned by all the soldiers. So this was a highly secretive mission as it would be if we were going across enemy lines and through minefields of the enemy, which is what we were trained to do uh, for any other military operation. And, and in Cyprus, because of the demarcation line and the fact that the Turks occupied the northern part of the island, we did a lot of things during my time in the military that involved secrecy, absolute secrecy, because of the sensitivity of the assignment. And it was with the same level of secrecy and the same level of confidentiality or, um, or classification, if you would, that we were doing this particular operation. So we were very frustrated about it. I remember the guy next to me was one of my friends from my unit. He wasn't in my uh, specific company, but he was in a neighboring company to mine and we were good friends. Uh, the guy was six foot seven. Uh, he literally picked me up with his with his one hand one time and removed me. I was I was messing with his bed one time, just messing around, folding the sheets in such a way so that when he got in the bed, he couldn't get in the bed. The sheet was folded in the middle. It was it's a funny thing we we did. It was called a, an envelope. So I was enveloping his bed, and he and he caught me doing it. And he was standing right behind me when I got done kind of making his bed in a way that he would be very uncomfortable when he got in. And he literally picked me up with one hand, lifted me up and moved me away from his bed and set me down somewhere else. That's how strong he was. That guy was next to me with a little white flag and white sweatpants. And we had to do all these maneuvers next to other Green Berets and Navy SEALs. And it was absolutely humiliating to us and frustrating. However, one of our commanders, a man who has long uh, been dead now, but one of the most influential, impactful individuals, I wrote about him in my book, Warrior Material. Uh, this, this, ca this commander, he was a colonel at the time. He gave us a speech. He gave us a talk when he, when he sensed that the morale was low because he gathered us all in the middle of the field where we, where we appeared every morning for inspection. And as we were holding our flags that were assigned to us instead of our rifles, and as we were standing there wearing sweatpants and athletic shoes, 
uh, that were uh, given to us by the government for this particular assignment, he gave us a talk that I'll never forget, where he said, when you signed up to be Green Berets, you agreed to a lifestyle of hiddenness. We do not do anything here that will be recognized, applauded, or in any way featured in mass media productions or communications. We operate in the shadows. We operate in the dark. Bad weather is our ally. All these different things. He just went into this whole thing that he would always tell us when we were going out on maneuvers in adverse weather conditions. And he said, it's the same hiddenness that you must embrace as we go out on this field to do what has been assigned to us. We follow orders. The orders came from the top of the government. We obey those orders. We will show ourselves strong. And whether we're waving flags or we are positioned in a field to fight an enemy with weapons, we will be the best we can be because this is who we are. And it was so inspiring that this man... Uh, thankfully, he wasn't wearing the same outfits we were wearing. <laughs> the commanders didn't have to participate because I think if I saw that man wearing what we were wearing, I would be traumatized for life. But hearing him say that and realigning us to our assignment and to our agreement when we wanted to become Green Berets to be hidden, to operate for no applause, no recognition, to fulfill our tasks and our responsibilities without being noted. No one knew who was in that field that day. The media did not know. No one leaked it. No one said a word. My parents were watching the ceremony and did not recognize their own son holding a flag. We were not allowed to tell anyone because of the vulnerability of the bases. And it was only years later that we were allowed to speak of this uh, publicly, and that the, the the entire mission, so to speak, was declassified. What I want to draw attention to in the last five minutes of this particular podcast is that this lifestyle that we've chosen to serve our God faithfully, with integrity of heart and skillful hands to lead our generation, this lifestyle it demands the same level of hiddenness that I'm speaking of in this particular incident in my life as a soldier. When, when we agreed to serve the Lord and we chose to follow His ways, hiddenness is part of that mix. A lot of people struggle with that and try to make a way for themselves and to promote themselves and to make their voice known, to try to become a voice instead of letting Yahweh present them as a voice to their generation. And this brings frustration and disillusionment sometimes because it is not the way. The way is we have one audience and it's one, Him, Yahweh. And it's through that relationship with Him that we find the fulfillment, the approval, the affirmation, the encouragement that we need to keep going. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. It is not the task that qualifies us or presents us as successful in the things that we've endeavored to do. It's the agreement 
to do our best and to be our best while fulfilling those tasks. And just like in that field, we were expected to use every single bit of discipline that was infused in us through the special forces training programs into the opening ceremonies. The flag had to go right. The flag had to stand upright. The flag had to be lifted up. The flag, the flag had to be pointed into the ground. I don't remember all the movements, but I do remember there was a lot of this, right? And so every single motion had to be calculated and precise, just like every bullet of a sniper's rifle has to go into the target dead center, ideally. And it's the same level of precision. That's why they chose us to hold these flags and wear the sweatpants because they knew that the level of discipline that we have is what is needed, but also because we operate in the darkness, we operate in the shadows, we don't look for approval or affirmation, and we will not talk about the fact that we're all in a field instead of manning our, our stations in our bases on the island that was actually divided still and had the Turks not very far from where we were and we were vulnerable. And so it's this mindset that is going to present us before Yahweh first and foremost, but ultimately through him in front of everyone around us in a way that really qualifies us and honors our service to our generation. It's not the self-promotion. It's not seeking to get the spotlight shining on us. It's not attempting to make a name for ourselves in this world. It's actually going deeper and deeper into the folds of the Father's heart and through relationship embracing this hiddenness process where we are fully revealed and fully concealed and there is intense process in between those stages and we learn to value that place and to value that state of being that emanates from our choice to have an audience of one, only Yahweh. And I remembered that during this season of going back into intense training personally and watching the opening ceremonies for the World Cup. I remembered the little flags and the sweatpants and the fact that that is one of the strangest, most unique experiences I've had, embarrassing all the way through, and yet it is what we were called to do and we followed those orders, we accomplished the assignment, and if I may say, we were somewhat excited when it was all done and we were in the buses going back to the base, hoping this would never happen again. I bless you wherever you are in the world. Thank you for being a listener and a part of um, Origin Gates Daily Podcast Wisdom Zeko, and blessings and shalom to your household and to your generations. Until we speak again, let's remain in Yahweh's love.